shock in my ear. How did you get an electric shock in your ear? I don't know. I just felt like you can hit hit play. Hit play? Hit play. What if I already hit play? Oh, Subscribe. Well, there's a... It's just going to peak there a little bit. That's all good. Yes, actually, you're um, you're coming up quite big on the screen. I am always coming up quite big. For a little man with a Napoleon complex? I don't actually have a Napoleon complex. It's just people assume that short people are naturally angry. <laughs> I don't know why, but... There's for... the meme on Facebook, which is something about you being closer to hell. <laughs> yeah, true. What do they say? Heaven for the view, hell for the company. Yeah, that's another one. Mm. Was it um, hell's where you want to go now? Because all the engineers have um headed down there. They've installed air conditioning, fixed up all the sewage, all that. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be a hilarious story of Satan? Just like what? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Although I feel like he, you know, when when you take a look at like the concept of hell, that's like burning and damnation. I don't think that's actually in the Bible, but we might be getting a little far fetched. So why don't we roll an intro at that point before we go any further? <laughs> Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Pop, the Down Under Popcast. I'm Wombat. And I'm Cricket, and it is good to be back. Hello, lovelies. Hello, I have not, you know, I've not done this for a while. We've been a little slack. It's been about two months, and we apologise, but as we say every time, life happens. And I think that's what's wonderful, is that we're just able to come back in, pick up where we left off. Now, speaking of which, whilst we were off, we passed... I'm still trying to figure out how to read the statistics. Either, we've either passed two and a half or three and a half thousand views. Now, we mentioned when we passed 100, and we kind of skipped the thousand, so we're just going to take this moment to say thank you to everyone who has made this number a reality. Thank you, Mum, for listening 1,500 times. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but in all honesty, a lot of our listeners are from Australia, um, but anyone around the globe. It's just nice our to... Our last episode had three US viewers. Yes! <laughs> Which is crazy, because some of our early ones um, were a yeah. lot higher than that. Yeah. But you have to I wonder to if admit... it's seasonal, and like over our summer period, we'll get a lot more overseas listeners. Two months off. Maybe. Maybe we're like a summer podcast. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Although, actually, when you think about it, we might be a winter podcast, so... <laughs> all, I don't know, we all just the skipped two months stuff. of winter. Mm. <laughs> Well, winter for Australia, so summer overseas, that's probably when it died down for us. They're like, we're going to go do fantastic and interesting things. Let's not listen to podcasts. Oh, uh, yes, and then in our summer it'd be snowing, so a mm. lot of places would be like, I am stuck. Yeah, may as well listen And I mean, to if podcasts. they have internet that's as good as ours, they won't be able to do any gaming or streaming, so podcasts it is. We have already hit <laughs> number one with the NBN. <laughs> the, the, that is public enemy number one right now. Yeah, well, do you hear that they're upgrading a bunch of them, but they're not upgrading the worst one, which everyone's on, the fibre to the node one. They're upgrading other ones, and it's like, just fix the obvious problem. But we know this. We know <laughs> that the problem is not so much the internet, but, well, actually it is. It is. But it's also the people implementing it. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea is crazy, but as much as we diss in the NBN, we'll save a rundown of that for if we ever do another political, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we might. You never know. I mean, we might just get I, political for the sake of it. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed you listening to you ranting, which is always fun. <laughs> but I, I'm glad. We had um, quite an interesting time off. Um, I can't even remember the past two months, to be honest. I know you did a film because I saw it the other day. 
No, that is actually one I did. Was that the one shot in the garage? It was just yeah. All... Okay, that one it was shot in March. I, I, I remember you talking about that one on mm. one of the podcasts, but it came out over the last two months. Yeah. Because for some reason you have to wait for confirmation of if you're entering into certain film festivals, yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't release, publish so. because they want the first release at the festival. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Which I suppose is to stop you just like entering things I, for years. Yeah, I think the intention was to enter it into other festivals, but then after this knockback for the first one, they're just like, eh, may as well just release it. Move on. It, it's better for just people to see it, I think. I think certainly as an actor, especially an actor who for a lot of time you work either for free or for very cheap, on the basis that you get the short then to use as a reel. Like, you don't want to be sitting there for two years. I'm still waiting on stuff from about three, four years ago, which obviously I've given up on, but the fact is I signed a contract which said I'd get a copy and I've never even seen this film. Yeah, you need to follow up on that. Oh, like I said, I've given up on some of them. But I've actually found, like, I don't mind working for free. I don't think it undermines me as a person. I find it's better to build relationships. Like, I've actually started going down the line and working with these guys more often. Like, I did another film with them a couple of months, about two months later, and I'm going back to work with them again. That's what's interesting. A lot of people always freak out about doing unpaid work, and it's like, if it costs you nothing and gains you something, you may as well do it. Well, for me, I think it's a bit seasonal, because I'm generally quite happy to do unpaid work, but if I'm in one of two positions, if I'm in a point where I'm like well behind on rent, I'm like, I've I've got to just look for the paid gigs, or if I'm just uber booked, which tends to happen around Masters season when all the Masters are starting to do their capstone projects, ah. uh, then I'm like, it's paid gigs only, because I tend to get a decent bit of work then, which is great. So in the world of pop culture, we have missed quite a bit. I know one of the most interesting things was uh, Spider-Man being lost by Disney. We could go on about that. But, I mean, it is what it is. I I have faith in Sony and what they can do if, if they employ the same people as writers and creators who did Into the Spider-Verse. Because that I was mean, theoretically, notch. that would work. And Into the Spider-Verse is really the only thing that's given me hope on a Tom Holland Spider-Man film from Sony. Yeah. Because to be frank, they've lost basically everything else in there. I mean, they can't use any of the suits or any of the history or any of the references, which means they can either pull something crap together or they can do a uh, prequel, you know, and we can watch Uncle Ben die again. <laughs> Oh, God, how many times has Uncle Ben died? I'd like to see, figure out who's died more on screen, Uncle Ben or Thomas and Martha Wayne. Uh, I can answer that. Sean Bean. <laughs> how has he not played one of those two characters? Doesn't really have the accent. But he can do an American. I think he said he can't because he was asked about doing accents when he did Game of Thrones and he just went, no. <laughs> I remember that from one of the behind the scenes. That's why all the Starks have his accent, because they asked him to put an accent, and he just went, no, and they went to no. all the other actors, right, copy that accent. Copy that accent. That's why Jon Snow just sounds terrible. <laughs> oh! I'm sorry, I... Yeah, yeah, it's... We could do it. What was it? I saw a meme the other day. Great, we're going down meme culture. Game of Thrones traded porn-level nudity for porn-level writing. <laughs> Where is the lie? <laughs> Where is the goddamn lie? Well, look, certainly if nothing else by the fan reaction, you'd have to agree with that because it did not rate very well. There are so many shows, though, coming out now after after Game of Thrones. I feel like the hype has finally died down about it. Um, mm. it sure, it's going to win awards, but then that's going to be it. 
We've still got a high It's not going to win any writing awards. Oh, 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 that's the thing. It might. That's the worrying bit. I reckon it, it's got a good contender for VFX and cinematography. Except for, you know. <laughs> just, what was it? Um, Battle of Winterfell? Just all in darkness? Well, you can't criticise the effects if you can't see them. Exactly. <laughs> uh, some of the later effects with the dragons in, I think it was episode... Actually, it was episode uh, six, the final one. Some of the VFX shots in the dragon and some of just the um, cinematic shots, they were just great. So one of the funny things, I was reading something the other day about how there was actually more CGI used back in the day in like the early 90s than we actually thought. The thing is is that we recognised the limitations back then. So Jurassic Park actually had a lot more CGI than people believe. Yeah, but they were just... Re- quite reasonably clever with how they did it. They exactly. approached it understanding the limitations. That's why it's basically all at night and in the rain. It's fantastic. Nowadays, it's just pushing this idea of CGI down everyone's throats, and you can easily tell subscribe CGI from amazing CGI. Well, that's it. But it's like, very. It's a very fine line that you're walking there. I think it's a case of we are capable of basically creating anything we want with CGI. But most of the time, it's not either budgeted for in time, money, or both. Uh, I'm going to bring up Avengers Endgame because I love it. Uh, You know the suits that they wore, the Avengers wore, the white suits? You cannot seriously be spoilers at this point. Um, (laughs) Yeah, if you you haven't seen it, um, Tony Stark dies. I suppose I can't really just do facial reactions here because you can't tell online. Anyway. Can we just put like a (laughs) gif like in in the link as to Wombat's reaction at this time? Um, Those white Avengers suits that they wore... Completely CG. What? I know. You you can literally do anything with CG. By the way, the reason for that was apparently they hadn't finished designing them yet. Oh. Uh, Thor's eye patch through Infinity War and Ragnarok, CG. The eye patch? Yeah, because, again, they hadn't decided what it was going to look like. They CG'd it. Actually, that's funny that you mentioned that, because there was something going on, I believe, at the end of Ragnarok that I noticed. His eye. At one point, you can actually see... There's still CG work that was missed. Oh, really? I swear to God, when I was in the cinemas, I'm like, something's wrong with his eye. And yeah, it turns out they must have missed part of it. Like, it, it wasn't blacked out. You could still see his eye. Oh, is this before he puts the patch on? I think so. Oh, it, it was something really straight. It was so... Blink and you'll miss it, but... Like the... um Back to Jurassic Park, like the one where the raptor disappears for a single frame when it's in the T-Rex mouth. Have you seen that? Oh, God, I'm going to have to go back and watch Jurassic Park. My friend Haley loves Jurassic Park, so she probably even wouldn't have noticed that because, yeah. Yeah, so at the end... Hi, Haley. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it for a while, but I know the scene well enough. At the end where they're in a building with the raptors and they look like they're cornered and suddenly this T-Rex mouth comes down, grabs the raptors, and the T-Rex is, like, throwing the raptor around. Yeah, it's like a the, single it's the frame. Yeah, a single frame during that, the raptor completely disappears from uh, frame. It just disappears even though it's center shot. Next frame, it's back. Wow. Most people uh, just put it down to a rendering issue that was missed. Just a single frame, it wasn't rendered. Well, okay. Talking rendering, comparing how long it would have taken to have rendered that and how long it was to render the um, castle scene in Frozen. I wonder what the rendering times would have been like. Because the castle scene in Frozen was ridiculous. It, like, took months. Did it really? Yeah, man. It was that. That's probably months of re-rendering, though. Not a single render taking months. I uh, yeah, you're probably right. But yeah, I just remember hearing that the render on that was ridiculous. And I mean, it's a very different sort of render. Like in animation, where we're not 
trying to get that reality. Like, we understand it's going to be animated. Yeah. Uh, not to take away from that, I thought that film was quite well made. Yeah, no. I mean, hell, point. I'm a however year old man, and I enjoyed it for enough the first time. I don't think I can enjoy it the third time, or maybe the fifth. I feel sorry for any parents who still, <laughs> after, what, four, five years since it came? 2013, I think. No, what, it was that long ago. It, maybe, well, okay, because I started dating my other half 2013, so I'm pretty sure it was either 2013, 2014. Maybe we'd moved in together. You know, we have like three internet devices And here. yet, well, I like the joy of trying to figure it out. And we're you try to figure it out. I'm going to get an actual answer. Anyhow, we've got... 2013? Um, no way. Wow. It's been out that long? Okay, there were so many things I realized that, um, like, Paul Walker died in 2013. Yeah, that also doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Time. They're talking of resurrecting him CG for the next film. Now, I don't know how much of that is from the actual production, I should state. There's just a lot of talk online about them doing it. Spin-offs are an interesting one, aren't they? Like, I haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw. But oh, I did. Was it any good? I, I would have gone and seen it just for Idris Elba, but I, I actually haven't been to the cinemas since Spideyverse. That's how long it's been. Endgame? Was Endgame before or after? No, that was like the next year. Spideyverse was last year. Okay, We've had um, Far From Home, Endgame, Captain... No, Cap- yeah, Captain Marvel. Was that's after right. Spidey yeah, Bros. no, it must have been Endgame. God, that's, even then, that's going um, a long way. Honestly, I enjoyed Hobbs and Shaw. I understand every bit of criticism, and I can't deny it. But it's just one of those stupid fun films, which is exactly what you expect from Statham or The Rock, and frankly, is exactly what I paid my money for. So I was quite content with it. That's fair. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's great to see... Oh, I saw that um, yesterday. Yeah. I got to get around to it, but one of the most interesting things is Damon Harriman, the wonderful Australian who plays Charles Manson. He also played Charlie Manson in Mindhunter. Huh. So he was cast a few months apart. I think it was, I think it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that he was cast for first, and then he did Mindhunter, and he's got to play Manson at two ages. I mean, that would be quite interesting as an actor. However, Tarantino isn't exactly grounded in reality, even if that's where it might be based off. So it's not like it would be the same character at different ages. It's probably like two completely different characters. Oh, absolutely. But you can understand that Harriman would have based his performance pretty close to each of them. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that some of the pre-work's done for both. Yeah, and that is what was fascinating. As I watched this, I'm like, I know that face. And then someone, and then I saw the end credits, I'm like, Damon Harriman. Subscribe. What? <laughs> Wow, okay. <laughs> and then finding out, you know, that it is Charlie Manson in Once Upon a Time. And you're like, whoa. There you go. Whoa. I mean, it's not often you get that kind of opportunity to play the same role twice. I think Tarantino's been casting a few Australians, now, hasn't he? Um, well, he was in love with John Jarrett for a period of time, Margot Robbie, Damon, and I'm sure there's probably others. I'd yeah, love for his others. final film to be like an Ozploitation film. Well, you know, he did like an Aussie, um, essentially a love to Aussie film film. Really? I can't think of what it was called. It was like early 2000s. And he basically talked about films from the 70s and 80s that we pulled off and just the crazy stuff that we were doing. Huh. If ever you see The Man from Hong Kong, that's a 70s exploitation style film. It's actually a really interesting look at what we were producing at the time. Because it is quite interesting what we were doing. 
Oh, it's yeah, not man. necessarily good to watch, but it's interesting. But that's exactly the point, is that at the time we were pushing these boundaries and then all of a sudden, bloody, what do you call it? Crocodile Dundee hits. Mm. And then our trajectory has just gone completely the opposite direction of what we were expecting. Now, that's not to diminish the fact of what Crocodile Dundee did for, I don't want to say Australian film, I want to say Australian tourism more than anything else. I was going to say Australia's image. Yeah, the image, and definitely. I mean, that's something we're still dealing with today, like that's pretty much what the world expects. That's like a 35-year knock-on effect yeah. of just dealing, if not longer, of just dealing with these after effects of, yeah, put another shrimp on the barbie, mate. Oh, my God. That's not a knife. That's a knife. Yeah, and it's still a thing. There's a documentary coming about um, out about Australian actors, and it's called That's Not a Knife. <laughs> I can't remember who's doing it, but yeah, it's doesn't like, it's, matter. It doesn't matter, but like I love the. I'm not gonna lie, I loved the name of it. Oh yeah, because of just this Im- this cultural impact that it's had. But if you've ever seen, if you get the chance, watch Paul Hogan's um, emceeing of the Oscars. Oh, I've heard that. It's hilarious. I've heard it's hilarious to us and sort of overseas. It's a bit what just happened. They're so. It's just like they. Oh, I can't even explain <laughs> because I don't want to offend people because our humor tends to go over people's heads. Well, that being said, well, he's not exactly Australian, but Watiti did a great job on Ragnarok in terms of getting that humor global. Mm, absolutely. But I think, you know. Obviously, to give credit to the Kiwis where credit's due. Naturally, our cousins across the pond. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he was quoted saying it's an Australian sense of humor. We're cousins, basically, when you think about it. And, like... I mean, he shot it here. Right! I, I think it's like the UK Scot- Scotland thing. <laughs> if if they're good, we'll claim them as Australian. If not, they can they can stay Kiwi. Yeah, I mean, like we've done that quite a bit. Russell Crowe, Hugo Weaving, Guy Pearce, um, but 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 there's a lot. Neil Finn and Tim Finn. Yeah, we we basically take the the good ones and go. Oh no, no, they're they're definitely ours. <laughs> <laughs> we we couldn't nab Jackson though. Yeah, probably for the best. No, I'm kidding. I was going to say. Well, okay. Like The last... I, I think Peter Jackson's kind of making the move into more documentary restoration, isn't he? Because after um, yeah. They Shall Not Grow Old, he wants to do more of that. Uh, he wants... I believe I read a thing. He wants to do virtual reality stuff. And no, not, so, no, sorry. Not virtual reality. He wants to do video game movie stuff. Not video game movies. He wants to... <sighs> wish I had the quote because I cannot for the life of me word it because I barely understood it reading. But basically, he wants to look at using sort of video game methods and formula in movies. But as far as I'm concerned, after the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he has a I-do-whatever-I-want pass. I don't care. That's fair. I mean, he could go back to doing his horror films. That would be fun. Could you imagine I him doing something like The Frighteners again? to do that. Yeah, right, or even Braindead. Like, go just... And I think Braindead still holds the record for the amount of blood used on a film. Really? I'm pretty sure it does. And that was going from like an 80s Kiwi exploitation horror. It just, yeah, there was copious amounts of fake blood used on that film. Mind you, they didn't do any of the Hollywood method. They went down to the butchers and went, what didn't you sell? Yeah. <laughs> Back then it was just easier. <laughs> I mean, you could still do that today. Sure, OH&S might have some things to say about it. If, also, you know... the butcher will probably charge you today. Really? Well, I assume everyone's trying to make money and selling everything. Yeah, but they would just be like, yeah, blood, we just pour it down the drain. The blood, yeah, but all the um, fake guts and everything that he got. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you can do a lot with that. But 
I'm sure there's a butcher out there who'd charge you for the stuff they'd otherwise throw out, being the blood. You can make some pretty awesome fake guts just by balloons and a few other things just stuffed go in. Buy some sausages and poke them. A few <laughs> <times>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what else has been happening? Um, oh, I've done a few short films, which is fun. Really? Yes. Were they any good? I think so. I was on the back end of the camera again, which I've obviously been doing a bit more of. Uh, Is it in directing or DOPing? Well, normally I direct, but I DOP'd one, and I split DOP and did some uh, producing and assisting in the other. And I've got to say, I was really happy. Yeah. If you can be happy if you do work, that's pretty decent. I'm more of a self-loathing type of person. See, that's generally me, which is why I was so astonished. Like, I'm looking, I was looking back because I did an edit of um, both films. And I was looking back over and I thought, no, that works. Obviously, there are not every shot I thought was perfect because I can always find self-criticism, but I was generally pretty happy, so that was fun. Well, as long as you can learn and move forward. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> I've just been leaning forward this whole time, so that's why I've been, you know, probably been far away from the mic, but now I can just sit down in comfort. Yeah, someone's going to have a lot of fun mixing your sound. Or maybe I'll just leave it. You mean you? Yeah, I, I did volunteer to edit this one, but I also said, come record at mine and then I'll edit. And we've met halfway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're recording onto your laptop, so we're covered. And that is really, really loud. Sorry about that, folks. Yeah, you do keep peeking a bit. I know. That's what compressors are for, my friend. <laughs> Give it time. Give it time? Give it time. Maybe a couple of extra hundred dollars on recording gear? Nah. Don't even need that. Why? What's the point? Uh, sound like 3% nicer. 3% is a very small amount. I feel like you could... Okay, actually, there's a there's a theoretical discussion for you. Oh. Uh, you have, let's say, a couple of thousand dollars, uh, and you need to kit out for a short film. What do you spend it on? Food. <laughs> Ask people to bring their own and give them food. <laughs> like... I'm not saying you're wrong, because I can't say that. <laughs> I think that is one thing, certainly one thing I've learned, is always feed your cast and your crew. Yeah, kit out for a good DOP and a good soundie. That's it. Yeah, that kind of works. Yeah. They'll have their own stuff, generally. Um, I was going to bring this up, I think, about 20 minutes ago, but I might as well bring it up now. You may have noticed that this episode is titled Clean Slate. Yeah, I think that, and obviously with a bit of feedback, I'm sure if people get a little pissed off at the fact that we might change our trajectory a little. Yeah, by all means, please um, keep talking to us on Facebook. Um, no, we don't, we don't have Twitter yet, do we? No. I'm sick of Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, by all means, send us a message on Facebook. Keep commenting about what you think of the episodes. Um, but yes, this is episode 20, and we are looking at a slightly new direction. We want to talk a bit more about films, more specifically the films that we are trying to make. We've obviously made a few films individually. Um, Seems a bit self plug. Check us yeah. out on IMDb, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. No. Um, but it would be interesting to explore the film process a bit more, and we can still talk about films. Certainly, I think. Um, but we've been looking at trying to make a film together for a while, which oh, is something God. we haven't been able to do. Well, you want to talk about Life Happens, folks? <laughs> this is the pinnacle of it. Just... Organising is one of the worst things. For anyone deciding that they want to get into film, do it, but make sure you've got someone who is organised who can just deal with all the stress because I can't. <laughs> I, I, I've been trying to figure out who I can delegate this to, and it's the worst. 
I'll give you a feeling. So we got a script together. Uh, are we announcing the name of the script? I mean, you can if you want. We got a uh, fire and flood or flood and fire. I, Either I way, really know I think this. it's flood and fire. F and F is what we've been referring <laughs> to it as, which probably isn't the best now I say it out loud. F and F. Um, yeah, so we've been trying to get this up ground for a couple of months and we got everything sorted. We got our DOP, our director, our actors and whatnot. Um, we got our, our actors, venue. you mean us. And a couple of others, but yeah, basically us for the most part. We got all set up. Uh, we found our location and this, most of this, or rather the big emotional scene out of this piece is around a big fire pit. And so naturally you ask permission from the fire department. You tell them, you know, we're going to have a fire, which they were okay with. And about three days out from shooting, they let us know that they'd extended a fire ban and we could no longer film. Yeah. So Granted, we probably made the dumb decision of deciding to shoot in summer. Now, for those of you who don't know what Australia is like, it is subscribe hot in summer. <laughs> That's There's an fire warnings for a reason. Now, our, our fire warnings start at moderate and then go to high. That's the second lowest settings. We also have extreme and catastrophic, to name a few. I love how catastrophic is one of those. Is catastrophic the second highest or the highest? I thought it was the highest. Uh, I know whichever the highest one is, it basically means, yeah, there's going to be a fire today. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to a point eventually where catastrophic will be the second highest and apocalyptic will be <laughs> number one. That that's, might that's be Mad soon. Max. Well, that's the thing is like Mad Max. It depends which Mad Max you go. Actually, off. there isn't they didn't many have bushfires in Mad Max. Not. Well, they didn't have much grass. It was all desert in the most... In Fury Road, there so, is. In the second... In Mad Max and um, yeah, Road Warrior, there is grass. So it's not just complete desert. So fires are a possibility. So there. really, climate change is helping us alleviate bushfire risks by killing all the plants. Yes. Awesome. But yes, we got this. We had our venue canned on us. Sorry, um, we had the shoot canned on us. We've since... Lost the venue, our DOP naturally picked up other projects as well, and so we've been trying to get this back together, but I thought it could be fun to sort of talk about the pre-production process a bit more sort of as we go through the podcasting. Yeah. So where exactly are we up to now, Cricket? I believe our director is now sourcing someone to produce, and I am just like, thank God! (laughs) (laughs) I think the most frustrating thing that I learned about producing is you'd need to just do that. Well, you I mean, there are people who have like obviously there are people who produce and direct, but they in the major film world, they've got other people behind them. And the other thing <laughs> is, there are people that study three years full time to be a producer. Mm. I know a couple of producers, but they're not in Sydney. I mean, that doesn't help. You are talking about moving the production to Queensland, which I know you're a big fan of. Only because of the fact that it is so much easier to just f- okay. This is the problem with Sydney is that. The costs to shoot are so exorbitant, it is cheaper for us to fly everyone out of state, gear and all, and shoot in my hometown. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, We we were looking at a park for an unrelated short, just an open park with, I think it was one camera, one tripod, a DOP and two actors, and it was something like $450 just to apply for the permit. That doesn't cover the cost of getting the permit or whatever other ridiculous crap they put on us. It's insane trying to shoot in Sydney. Obviously, a lot of people just shoot anyway and don't get permission, but we're trying not to do that. We we're want trying to be legitimate. really hard, and Sydney is trying hard back. Honestly, the only way you can be deemed legitimate is by paying everyone. And it's insane, because we don't have the money. Mm. I mean, $450 just to ask permission to shoot somewhere. 
Yeah. That's ridiculous. We're not a multi-million dollar feature film. It's true. And I was actually having this discussion with um, our director of Fire and Flood the other day about how certain aspects of the industry need to change. And the thing is, is that it can't be a slow and steady change for this industry to just stay afloat. No, we we kind of need a big hit change. It needs to be a shoulder barge. (laughs) Honest to goodness, if anyone has ever played Destiny and you've played as a Titan... Shoulder barging people is one of the most satisfying things you could ever do. <laughs> That's what needs to happen to the Australian film industry and the funding bodies to just understand that why aren't people seeing more Australian films? I'm going to like danger. put close. a twist on that and relate it to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That's Spartan kicking someone off a cliff for anyone playing Odyssey. Now, that's hilarious because that's <laughs> always fun. Just It is just... One of the most entertaining things to do in that game. But probably one of the few decent films... I've only seen two decent Australian films quite recently. That was Danger Close, which is by Crew of Standers. It was a really good kind of retelling of the Battle of Long Tan. And Top End Wedding, which I didn't... Ex- I, 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 I went in not really expecting much. I had an absolute blast. Huh. That was Those such, are the it was best, such a well-written film. It was fun. It was just happy. And I mean, that's it when you go in and you, you either don't know what to expect or you're not expecting something good and you're just blown away. Like the thing, okay, what surprised me about Top End Wedding is I kind of expected it to be your typical postcard film. Um, obviously, it's about a girl whose mum kind of goes out bush. Like she's getting married um, and she's going to fly up, have it in the Kimberley and her mum goes out bush. And then it's this journey just to find her mum. And so it does the usual Australian thing of showing this, you know, landscape that we always get in other films and while that was a part of the story of showing this native land it didn't you know feel like that typical postcard film yeah whereas you know a lot of films are just like oh look at this or anything gotta like get that, that b-roll of the bush right but this just like felt... there's room for that but sometimes it's a bit pushy and it's so on the nose mm. sometimes and i just think can we just not try and make a tourist film for once <laughs> Yeah, I mean they did that with the um, with the fake ad for Crocodile Dundee. We've already done the tourist ad. <laughs> oh my! There are God. two very different reactions in this room to that ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just n- no, no. All right, that, jumping that, off okay, that topic before about, you explode. Like, that's beating okay, a dead horse go. with like that's beating a dead horse with a shotgun and then shooting it. <laughs> It's over. Get over crocodile. Subscribe. Dundee. We're done. Move on and create some other characters and stories that might actually be interesting to an Australian audience. Actually, I think that is one of the things. Like when we look at making cinema, we I find that people tend to try and make really Australian cinema to sell to non-Australians. And it doesn't work because, okay, let's face it. Australia isn't interesting. Beg the difficult one. Like, okay. How do I put this? We are obviously over-encumbered with American stories. Everything is always coming in, coming in, coming in. When we see British things, you know, similar deal. We don't get as many, obviously, because the UK film industry isn't as big as the American. But we still get a few. They honestly still have their own problems with typical tropes. They do the whole Downton Abbey kind of thing. They play on that Victorian-esque style but that's their thing and for some reason the charm of that 
still translates worldwide. Everyone's kind of still wowed by it. Well, I wonder if part of that is because they are still making like all these other films, but we only see the sort of top pick of the bunch. And I also think it's sort of the same thing with Australian films. Like we see everything from the A grade right down to the double Z grade. But those really bad ones, they don't seem to go anywhere, but we'll we'll still get all of them because they don't have to go anywhere for us to watch them. Exactly. And it's like the only way an Australian film can really get recognised in Australia without being something huge is to go overseas, have a great run, and then come back. It's like being... Yeah, you have, an... to, you have to make it over there before you can make it here. But that's exactly the process of all Australians uh, as creatives have to do. Musicians, actors, artists, they all have to be found... You have to prove yourself of something. <sighs> yeah, it's like... Other people have to love you before we'll love you. Mm. And it's like, what purpose is that? Like, there are so many... Um, I was having a chat with my coach, my acting coach, Kim Jackson, and we were talking about how a lot of actors are told, try and make it here first. The problem with that is, yes, while it's a fair reasoning that obviously you will have more to carry yourself later on if you make it over there... How many actors have been stifled by this idea that, oh, I really need to make it here first. Don't ever so get... Like, okay, and You could not count it, I reckon. You couldn't. And then they decide that they're like 20 years down the line. Like, I'm at that mark where I, I've been acting for 10 years and I've got sweet... Subscribe. ...to show for it. Now, the thing is, is that you are an actor. It doesn't matter when the job is, it, it, it's coming. And that's what gives you the right to call yourself that. If you've been at it for a period of time and you know it's going to be there, it doesn't matter. I get a lot of people asking, oh yeah, what have you been with? What have you been in? That's not the point. Tax department begs to differ. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, you're absolutely right. And then they can charge you more. But yeah. that kind of thing where they're told this thing over and over and over and over. By the time they go from 18 to 40, then they're like, what have I done? I've been stuck in this pool of just things and i'm not going anywhere whereas they could have just left gone with this idea and this is one thing that i love is going to america even now they've they're still in love with australians i think it's the work ethic that comes with it but they find that any australian that takes the chance to just go over that's a huge commitment to go literally and from, a scary one let's be real I've, I've, i did it for six months and it was wonderful but, you know, going from, say, the east coast of Australia or even Perth all the way over to LA, that's a big jump. You've gone from this tiny place to this massive, massive pool. Well, in fairness, we're about the same physical size. Yeah, we are. But the difference is, is that they've shown, yeah, this person's got drive. They, they've given up basically everything to go and follow this. this is, it's... Either that or they've just got an unlimited pool of cash. Which actually happens more than you think. There are so many artists that get this story going, like... um. I guess Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, and all those types, they're like, oh, yeah, they tell this wonderful story of how they had nothing. And I'm like, subscribe. Oh, you guys had a massive support network behind you. And <laughs> Wombat just quietly taking note of how many times I say the word. <laughs> subscribe. Well, one of us is going to have to end up editing this. I know. And I hope you caught the other ones earlier. You probably didn't. I've caught a couple of them, but especially when you go back to back, it only seems to like the first marker. Yeah, but that's all good. That happens. Anyway, I think you're the one getting angry this one, so I'm going to diverge the Please topic. do. It's like, we can do this. Because and... it's like, I'm the one that gets to rant, and it's not even the end yet. <laughs> um, I'm going to jump back another seven minutes. With our crew, we went for the skeleton crew. Who do you think is the minimum we need on a set? Oh, that's, that's simple. Are we including directors? 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like you need a director. Naturally. But yeah, director, DOP, sound, I would say continuity, hair and makeup, and most likely probably a gaffer or a grip. I was going to say gaff and grip. If you uh, can get someone who's just multi-talented. I feel like, yeah, if everyone knows what they're doing, you could get away with that. Otherwise, I think you'd also want a... Um... Oh, and someone for crafties. <laughs> get someone's mum involved. Not in that way, you sick bastards. <laughs> you are as cynical of our viewers right now as you are of the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess you also want um, AD slash production uh, producer. Yeah, pro- prod manager. Track. Yep, that's the one. Um, Those are the fun we, rules, This folks. is a discussion we had a while ago because we wanted to try to get as few people as possible on this, mainly to try to keep it all manageable. So you've essentially heard the six crew roles that will be there. Um... And yeah, we'll keep you posted if we get our location on, or rather get a new location and we get filming. I'm still working on that. I'm, 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 I'm working. Yeah, me too. Just keep getting bounced back. <laughs> oh, man. Have you been playing anything interesting recently? Uh, I've been... Now that we, we're going to divert the conversation away from our own film careers, to <laughs> back to something interesting for people. Uh, I smashed through the Assassin's Creed Odyssey DLCs. There were six main DLCs, uh, and I've had about a week and a half of holidays. So naturally, the two went hand in hand. Oh There's a massive God. ass groove in your couch. <laughs> I play on PC, thank you. No, I know. Um... Oh, they were just phenomenal. I love them so much, I've started a new game to play it again. Oh. I'll probably have to wait until next holiday to actually play it. Well, what can you do? I need to get back into just gaming again. One of the biggest disappointments that I've had so far that I'm really, really hoping actually pulls out in the next decade is Star Citizen. Didn't that release catastrophically? It hasn't released. What am I thinking of? No Man's Sky? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. They, they apparently they patched all that and fixed it up slightly, but still, yeah. I'm looking forward to Borderlands Three naturally. I think a lot of people are. Yeah, I mean it's it follows the same formula, but I think we just love the story. It's sometimes following the same formula is fine. Yeah, it, I mean there's a lot going on now about subverting expectations, and it's like I, I don't always need my expectations subverted, and not in every single way. Like maybe put one or two in there, but frankly, I just want to be entertained. Exactly. And you know what? Not every piece is going to do that. We just need some to do that. Because what else was happening? I know that we saw, obviously, they announced a new a Breath of the Wild sequel. And Breath of the Wild was absolutely pretty. So it's kind of interesting to get uh, another sequel so quickly. One thing that... It's been a few years, hasn't it? Breath of the Wild's like, two, what, two years? The fact Another that Google machine. Yeah, we can Google machine. Um, Are we sponsoring Google by constantly saying Google machine? I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe we could start up a thing called Google machine. <laughs> like, And we actually call it the number Google. Like, they just go from there because, I mean, the results are going to be endless. There was a game called... 2017, yeah. What is it? The Medan... Medan Man or something like that? I can't remember. You figure that one out. I got another one that just came this morning. Yes. The original Spyro trilogy is on Steam. What? I didn't even know that was going to be a thing. Wow. I am so looking forward to that. But when the original um, re-release happened last year, I said I was going to wait for Switch, which is coming in November. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'm not paying 170 bucks to have it twice or whatever, or 140 bucks to have it twice. So I'm just going to pay once and get it on Switch. What game do you wish, like a classic game, got a remaster? Oh. That's really difficult. I would love Conker's Bad Fur Day to get remastered. See, I probably would have said Age of Empires 2, but that's coming out in 4K like next month. I was just going to say, like, that's going to be ridiculously fun. Well, we already yeah, got the, like, got the HD pack wasn't bad. Like, I, I like that. I've got that. Um, But no, the 4K pack, is, I mean, the 4K re-release titled The Definitive Edition, mm. I'm pretty sure it's next month. Uh, I'm really excited for that. What do I wish they'd make? I mean, they've basically done the ones that I want from the 90s. Like, we have uh, a Pokemon Let's Go, which is essentially a remake in beautiful HD-style graphics. They've uh, done Link. They've redone Link's Awakening. Yeah, they. I feel like cool. the ones that were my childhood, because I really didn't play much. Uh, I didn't really get the chance to play much as a kid. I feel like they're done. Like, all I really had was Spyro, Pokemon, and um, Age of Empires. I'd love Mario 64 to get a release on the Switch. See, I never even managed to get them. I never managed to get my hands on a GameCube or anything. That's fair. Like, I mean, we all grow up with different I mean, things. I wanted one. Yeah, naturally. Oh, um, no. Ooh. Donkey Kong Country. Oh, my God. I man. only ever played that at uh, my cousin's house, so I've never finished the game. And every time they bring out a new console and they talk about bringing a Donkey Kong in, I hope it's country, but apparently the game is so... You might want to swear that because that, you might want to bleat that because it almost sounded It almost like... sounded like I didn't say Kong there. Um, <laughs> Donkey Kong. That's right. <laughs> you you kind of went for Kong and country at the same time and it got... Donkey Kong country. Yeah, because they re-released plenty of the other Donkey Kongs, uh, but they never did that. Apparently it's because the game was so buggy they couldn't fix it or like they'd have to start from scratch. And I'm like, so do it! One of the most interesting things is how... Um, We've never been able to <laughs> remaster a lot of these N64 games. Like, they can't emulate the N64. It's very difficult for emulators now. To be clear, you can emulate and there's emulators True. all oh, over yeah. the internet. I should say, well. You can mm. still emulate PlayStation 2 and everything like that really, really well these days. N64 has been one of those things that they just can't get But right. surely um, Nintendo could do it if they just put some resources I'm, to it. Okay, and that's the next thing I'm waiting for, is these classic things where they have the games installed on them. I'm waiting for the N64 version of that. Yeah, well, that will sell like wildfire. Well, I mean, all the other ones have. Yeah. Because we've had the PlayStation, we had the um, NES, the Super NES. They, the NES just went ballistic it was like sold out before it was pre-ordered basically that's the only thing i would pre-order was making sure i could get my hands on <laughs> but then there's so many games on that that i don't think people realize um oh, i came with these of games but i think they also missed a bunch of them oh yeah like that's the thing is if you have such a limited amount to choose from you're like Ugh! there's so many people would have wanted that they just couldn't get um mm. like if they don't have golden eye then there's a bit of Oh, a yes, GoldenEye. I don't think I'd be, like, holding out for a remake, but if one came out, I'd definitely play it. They actually did a remake of GoldenEye. Like, was it a good one? Because I haven't heard of it. Uh, it was GameCube. What they did is they actually... Uh, I don't know if it was good or anything. But I know they fan-made ones. No, no, no. Um, There was actually a remake, because what they did is redo it and instead use the image of Daniel Craig. <laughs> right um yeah it was goldeneye reloaded that's it no i have heard of that yeah mm, so it they... kind of been very good I, I never heard anything after release no it, yeah it didn't release well because then they also made the um what was it i think it was on playstation 2 it was actually goldeneye rogue agent which i thought was a great concept 
Yeah, it sounds all right. Uh, it was because it was in a. It, it was like a combination of all these Bond villains go to war with each other, and what happens is, is that this. How it, was that not a success? How did they stuff that up? Well, Speaking of things they've mm. stuffed up, the person in charge of EA's FIFA series is now in charge of sort of all their big series like Battlefront and the other things. I saw an announcement this morning. Oh dear. So somehow they managed to stuff it up even more. What's happened? Oh, they put him in charge. I'm sure he'll stuff it up somehow. No, in that sense. It's just you've put... <laughs> you've gone from putting Scott Morrison in charge of immigration to in charge of a country. Yeah, that's about it. Well, as you know, he was never immigration. Or was he? No, he was. He was for a period of time and then Dutton got it. Can't talk about operational whatever. <laughs> this is every question I cannot talk about operational stuff and generic response. I'm not answering your question. <laughs> It's about the political equivalent of, yes, you can have this game if you pay for it. Yeah. I already paid for the game. Yes, but now you need to pay for the DLC. Okay, I bought the DLC. That's cool. Now you need this pack to unlock that thing, the DLC. Fine, here's more money. That's awesome. You need to get out of a loot box. Please pay for each one. It's like season passes are an interesting thing. I will happily pay for a Borderlands 3 season pass for 150 bucks. Well, yeah, it depends bucks. on the game. Yeah, like for 150 bucks is what the season pass is going to be. And it comes with... That's so- a lot. It is. Does that include the game? Yeah. Okay, that's it's, less than It's that's the less. game and everything, plus a whole bunch of extras. But I mean, that's still a lot. I think I paid well, when you, when you $82 considering... for Odyssey and the Season Pass, and yeah. that's like 24 months of content coming out each month, along with six very good, very large DLCs. Mm. And these guys don't skimp on... Well, at least they don't used to. Um, they don't skimp <laughs> on the DLC content. And it comes with a whole bunch of extras. I mean, that's it. Cosmetic. If you know it's coming with a lot of DLC, I generally don't mind Did you paying. buy it new for 82 bucks? Like, or did Define you wait you. for a while? Oh, as in on release? Yeah. Because um, like, un- understandable out? you could get a season pass for 82 bucks maybe a couple of months after release. No, I think it was the next month because the first month update after launch came out when I installed it. Okay. So it would have been just before a month after release. Hmm. Like if they're releasing good content, I don't have a problem. Yeah, but it. the amount one... that have like thirty bucks for a season pass for like two minutes of additional thing or like one extra campaign. It's and like, a skin. No. Yeah, no, that's when it gets. Oh, bad. the skins. Yeah, that's horrid. Put that in the pre-order if at all. Yeah, pre like if you want to download it, make it free. Yeah, pretty texture much. changes. Honestly, texture changes should not be charged. You are updating something that you probably didn't do right the first time. Exactly. All right, well, I think I'm just going to call that a rant further now. You didn't want to rant further? Oh, I you do, didn't but this, just this has been one... somewhat of a ranty episode. Oh, I know, but come on. We haven't had a wombat rant in ages, so just go for it. Oh, I don't have a rant prepared. Normally, I've got my notes with every point laid out, but in the research this month, it was just, look, I could get pissed off at almost everything that's happened, from Sydney trains having an absolute meltdown from a single hatch to the Amazon being on fire, but... Oh, the Amazon being actively burned. Let's actively think. burned, yeah. but I, I just, I can't. Are, are you just becoming more of a nihilist these days? Just kind of over it. It's like there's no point. Yeah. Depends on the day. <laughs> I think we'll call it there for a clean slate, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you again for tuning in. It is good to be back behind the mic for all of you. Once again, I'm Cricket. And I'm Wombat. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. The following podcast is brought to you by Wombat Poo Productions and Fawcett Fictions. Our opening and closing theme is 
still Road Trip by Joaquin Karad. You can find out more about his music in the description below. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram and possibly one of these days, Twitter. If Links will be in the description below. You can also follow me on Twitch at WombatGTS. I do stream occasionally and will be streaming more often as we come back into the Australian summer season. Yeah, I was like, we got the new whole clean slate. I was like, do we rant? Do we not? There's going to be so much extra filtering to put on. And it's like, subscribe! That.